0: Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On this show, we're trying to educate you about the American college system. We're going to be having college coaches and student-athletes joining us, talking about the experiences in America, and hopefully by the end of this show, you would have taken away some amazing information. Enjoy. Cool. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, keen to get started if, if you got time, coach. I appreciate you sure. being here. Cool. So. Sure. So thank you so much, um, Coach Burke, for joining us. I really appreciate you being here on today's show. Um, As mentioned, we have been going around interviewing amazing college programs, and I've been very excited about this one. I can tell you that. I mean, we've been interviewing some fantastic coaches, but I just want to go into a little bit and tell people what you have achieved and where you have coached to give them the magnitude of this talk. So Coach Burke has coached at some amazing colleges in the past. He's worked at schools like Florida, um, Ohio State, and he won a national championship when he was at Illinois from 1999 to 2004. Then he ended up working for 10 years at Michigan, going deep consistently into the NCAA championship, and now, he is the head tennis coach at University of Texas, where he won a national championship in 2019. Um, I'm going to go into a few more stats, coach. Bear with me. I know you'd okay. not like people talking about you, but I've got to share <laughs> sure. this. He's That's helped okay. produce four national team champions, six national individual champions, 10 conference team titles. He's coached 23 All-Americans and he has coached five single players and three doubles players to the number one National rankings. Thank you, Coach, for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, I want to meet this guy. He sounds pretty good. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, if I could have if I could have a drink with someone, it'll definitely be someone like yourself. The story oh, must you. be amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, Coach. Well, I'm so, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, no, it's, it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. So, Coach, I guess we're sitting here in July. You're coming up to August now. It must be getting pretty exciting for you, having a full season after the pandemic.
1: Yeah, we were we were one of the fortunate ones. We we really didn't miss any competition. Um, we had to rework our schedule a little bit and and uh, tried to minimize the number of times we were flying to places. But the level of competition that we played was just as strong as ever, and we didn't have we didn't have any players have to miss a match for uh, for COVID reasons, which is you know, pretty unusual given the climate last year. So we we were fortunate. The one thing we missed is having consistent crowds and attendance. And I, I think it's pretty fun for our guys to play in front of big audiences. And we didn't really have that until the very end of the year. So that's something we can look forward to getting back to normal next year.
0: Talk about like some of the guys in your team. They're in the off season right now. They're in the break. What are they doing right now, players in your team? Are they, are they just getting ready for college and having a holiday or are they working?
1: No, they're all working, Um, you know, right at, we had a pretty, uh, pretty long season. So, you know, right after the college team season gets done, you know, honestly, they took, you know, days that you can count on one hand off completely and kind of tried to decompress a little bit mentally. And then a few of them, you know, had some training blocks, getting back into it, starting to work on their fitness. And if there were a few things that they wanted to tweak in their game in terms of, you know, cleaning up some of the technical things. They might have worked on that with us back here in Austin. There was one guy who has a really good technical coach at home that did some work with him. Um, but by the end of June, really, they were out there uh, competing in tournaments, any tournaments that they can find. So this right now, I would say, is the peak of tournament play for our guys this summer. We had three guys playing at Futures this week. We had three more playing two different um, uh, $25,000 UTR events in in one in Newport, one in Atlanta. Um, Unfortunately, we have one guy that had a minor hip surgery that's here rehabbing. Um, And then one guy's playing at an open tournament near his house. So pretty much everyone's playing tournaments and trying to get better. They they love it. That's one thing I really enjoy about our team. And I've done this now for about 30 years. And our group is uh, they really enjoy playing tennis and they enjoy competing. So it's fun to work with guys like that.
0: Coach, a lot of the athletes that are watching this or listening to this have got, they dream about going to an NCAA national championship. You haven't just done that. You've won two. How was that experience? What is it like being involved in intense competition like that?
1: I mean, it is fun. It's obviously, especially when you think you have a shot at it, it's, it's uh, nerve wracking. I feel like for me, um, I take it as a big responsibility when I do have a team has a chance because I want I don't want to be, I don't want to be the guy that screws it up. You know, I want right. to be the guy that <laughs> kind of steers the ship and keeps, keeps everybody in, in the proper mindset and um, you know, training hard and, and, and having attention to detail, but at the same time, not overtraining as we get close. Um, and just, you know, the thing I found really helpful, especially in 2019, when we wanted is to, if you have the kind of team that you can trust and if you have the right kind of players and the right kind of culture on your team to try to find different creative ways to make those guys feel like they're that it's their team, you know, and um, that they're taking charge of the mindset of the team, because at the end of the day, I think teams that are self-motivated and player driven, you um, And sometimes you can fool them into thinking that they're the ones uh, steering the ship, but, you know, when they want to do it for each other, and and when they hope when they take responsibility and ownership in the direction, the team's going, it just seems to be more powerful. And that's, that's what really happened for us in 2019. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I take, like I said, I take a a great deal of ownership and responsibility also um, to keep everybody on track. But the biggest satisfaction for me is watching how, um, how happy the guys are right. when they win something like that together. I mean, the joy and the pride that they are able to then share with each other for the rest of their lives, you know, because they'll be talking, about something they'll be talking about it at the 10 year reunion, 20 year reunion and so on. It's just, uh, it just makes me really happy for them that they get to have this, this special memory that no one can take from them.
0: I uh, The best one thing I love about college is like, the brotherhood, the brotherhood that they develop amongst each yeah. other must be amazing. I mean, before we started this interview, we were talking about some of the New Zealanders that you know, like JD Jones, for example. Do you keep in touch with all of these athletes throughout your whole entire career?
1: Yeah, I try. Um, I do. I'm a, I do my best. Of course, there are some that are that are better at it than others, and um, some you really develop close friendships with after they're gone, and that's a that's a really satisfying and fun thing as a coach to, you know, to have um, the coach player relationship kind of evolve into a friendship that carries on with you uh, forever. I mean, now I have, the longer you do it, the more people you have to keep track of, you know, and I've done it now, at, you know, um, four different schools, four or five different schools. So um, sometimes, uh, sometimes I forget now where who did that guy play with or which school did I have that guy at, but no, but uh, you know, we get invited to weddings and, um, you know, when I travel to a city where one of these guys happens to live, we try to get together and have a, and have a dinner or, or a beer. And it's, it's definitely satisfying. I can't, I'd be lying if I say I communicate with every single one of them. Um, but I kind of have a good feel for what they're all up to and, and definitely communicate with a lot of them.
0: Coach, I was watching an interview that you did on YouTube. And I believe it was an interview that you did after you won the 2019 National Championship with Texas. Um, as first year as um, the head coach which is very impressive and in the in the interview they take a bit of a snippet of you talking to the players on the tennis court and you're handing players a bit of paper and I'm very curious do you give athletes like notes on players that they're playing against what kind of information do you give to these guys on game day
1: yeah, I'm trying to, now you got me thinking, I can't remember what it was that I gave to the players. It might've been coaches, um, you know, the, the other coaches. I kind of remember that, but yeah, we give, we do have scouting reports that are pretty detailed um, based on our experience from seeing those players play against other players. And usually the way I communicate that to people is, is um, through message on, you know, on a, a text or a right. email or, or a team chat that we have. And then I have like a cheat sheet with me and all the coaches have it that we can kind of keep with us so that it has even some more detail so that when we're on court, we can look at it for reminders. But yeah, we we definitely recognize tendencies and um, we, we have videos of just about every match we've played for the last six or seven years. So um, sometimes we'll go and watch those or we'll give links to the players to watch. And we definitely are a program that uses video quite a bit.
0: I don't know if you saw um, Stefanos Pass's most recent comment on social media over the last 48 hours. Oh, I did, yeah. What do you think about, you know, and obviously you can coach during a tennis match, you can give athletes advice. You've worked with athletes that have gone to the top level, like Ranjiv Ram, one of the top doubles players in the world currently. How, how, important was it to coach them during those matches and did it impact their careers do you think to transition to that pro tour did they learn quite a lot
1: yeah I think the biggest thing that can be you know everybody's different and everybody has different needs and some people are really good thinkers on the court and stay composed so that they're able to think and some struggle with that I, I'd say the the most common assistance I think that Encore coaching has helped players with during my experience has been the, the ability to self-regulate and, and stabilize moods um, and emotions um, so that they can think clearly and see, and see things because sometimes, you know, people want, players want to win so badly that they, they let their frustration and their anger um, get the best of them and their fears really. So, um, you know, sometimes as a coach, you can get out there and remind them of things that we've already talked to and agreed to so that they're able to kind of refocus and reset and then turn their attention to things that are actually relevant to helping them play better tennis. So um, hopefully by the time they leave, they're better able to self-regulate. And we have one player in particular on our team right now that is a freshman, Micah Braswell. And I think, I think the on-court coaching, that's a, he would be the perfect example of someone who benefited a lot from that. You know, he, yeah won 36 matches as a freshman this year and was one of the was ranked 20 something in in the country as a freshman, which is pretty good. And, uh, but so many of those matches were super close and, you know, he has a tendency to lose, um, you know, let his emotions run a little wild, but he was very coachable and very reachable. And I think that was a big benefit to him. And then we were talking to him a lot about, you know, his long-term need to self-regulate, um, but I think it's a cool idea—the um, idea of allowing encore coaching in the pros. I guess there's always um, negatives to it. You know, some people can afford more coaching, some people can't, and that could be an, an, a quote-unquote unfair advantage. But you know, I do think it can make a difference for players. And some, you know, it's a—it's 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 an art too, because you got to figure out who responds well to different cues, and um, some you want to be tough with. Some you got to um, calm down, some you got to pump up and you got to pick your spots and your times, I think, too, to give the coaching.
0: I think it's such an advantage for young athletes because I guess like your success as a professional is based on when you mature as an athlete and the decisions that you make. And the ability right. to recognize what you're doing wrong at moments in the game is so huge. And right. if you don't go to college tennis, you know, you're recognizing that once the match is done and you're in the locker room and you've had a you've lost your Yeah, team. exactly.
1: Exactly. And I think I mean we have great players on our team. We've got several guys that were in the top, you know, two or three in the country in the juniors and guys that are top 20 ITF and you know, and have even won Grand Slam doubles titles and ITF grade 1 singles titles, but right. still they get here and um they're still young, you know, emotionally, that mental emotional control on the court and uh you know, I see them gaining, uh, most of the guys are able to gain a lot during this time. And I think if we're doing our job really well, by the time, you know, they get into their second, third year that they're able to self-regulate a little bit better. And, you know, I I like that expression. If you, uh, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. And if you, but if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. And so that's kind of like that, what we want to get towards, you know, the ability to do it themselves. Absolutely.
0: In terms of, let's talk about your setup. For someone that's never been to your campus before and is listening to this, what do your athletes get access to?
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible, really. I think um, the U.S. kids, you know, maybe aren't as um, awed by it in my experience because they've seen it before. They've grown up with it in a lot of cases. But a lot of times when international students or recruits come here to take a look, can't believe it you know the resources um, that are poured into all the sports at schools like ours and we're not the only one but we're definitely one of the the ones that has tremendous resources are just off the charts you know at our facility we have a beautiful 12-court facility with seating for a thousand people up above that you know there's a a seating area that overlooks both sets of six courts and underneath the stadium we have a a massive weight room that's just for tennis with state-of-the-art equipment, a cold tank, you know, the whirlpool, um, a big large training room, like super nice um, locker rooms and player lounges. And there's a study area. Then there's two coaches office. There's a stringing room. There's an official's room. There's visiting locker rooms, but it's all just super nice. So that's, that's what they have access to. As far as the courts, we also have a six court indoor facility. Um, And then, you know, there's a there's a, a, a dining hall for student athletes that has like world class food. Um, there is academic center all in the same building. There's an academic center where you can go study and get tutors for just for athletes. There's a, a dining hall for they call it the tank, the Texas Athletic Nutrition Center. Um, you know, it's kind of one stop shopping. So just and then then there's the human resources you know, those are the physical resources. Then there's the human resources. We have a a strength coach that just works with men's tennis and women's volleyball, a dietitian that works with three sports, a trainer, an athletic trainer, a physio that's with us at every practice and match. Um, And that person onto that person, they have student trainers who are trying to learn that craft. So it's just, you know, you have sports psychologists, you have a stringer, you've got everything, you know, so all you got to do is you know, go to school, take advantage of the resources and work hard with your tennis. And we're not the only ones. A lot of the universities have tremendous resources. I'm just fortunate to be at one of those schools.
0: So you're telling me that athletes get access to all of this stuff and all they got to do is get a degree, which will set them up for life and to improve in their tennis. Not Yeah,
1: that. that's pretty <laughs> That's pretty much it. Of course, all their equipment and clothes and travel and coaching, yeah. you know, all that's taken care of. It's not bad. It's not, it's, you know, if you love tennis, it's, it's awesome. Um, because you, you know, you got to physically work hard on the courts and the days are long and that there's demands on your time. But as far as the resources that are at your disposal, I mean, I couldn't, I can't imagine anybody wanting for more.
0: I believe there's a famous actor that's been to your campus quite a lot. Matthew McConaughey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an institution here. Yeah. He's, uh, they actually gave him a title last year. It's, he's, he's called the minister of culture for University <laughs> of Texas athletics. Yeah. He loves Texas. He went to Texas. Right. Um, and, but he just loves it. He's at every game and every contest. And um, he shows up in his burnt orange car with you know, all dressed, you know, in the cowboy boots and the hat wow. and the colors and giving speeches. And um, yeah, he's, We just, we also, in Austin, we also just had a, uh, we just started a uh, MLS team, Major League Soccer, and it's called the Austin FC. So he's one of the part owners in that. I mean, he just, he's an institution in Austin and especially for Texas athletics.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing, like the exposure that college athletics gets and the networks that it creates for people. I mean, having a guy that's won an Oscar coming and being a big advocate for that must be pretty special and I can, yeah. I mean his movies are great his motivational speeches must be even better
1: <laughs> Yeah it's pretty cool Yeah well, after we won the national championship in 2019 you know he's at every football game on the sideline so we got to we got to go down on the sideline and be introduced on the field and you know that's 100,000 people recognizing you which is pretty cool and he's down there so the whole team you know they love him and we got a picture with him and you know it's pretty cool Fantastic.
0: Coach, you're a big time program. You have had amazing success as a coach. There's a lot of athletes that are sitting here thinking, what do I need to do in order to get this opportunity? You must get a lot of recruits emailing you, contacting you, contacting your players. For you, what stands out in a recruit where you have a look and you think, actually, I want to take a chance on this guy?
1: Well, you know, since you're talking about athletes in New Zealand, primarily, I think, or, or maybe you deal with athletes throughout other countries too, I'm not sure. But I think especially if you're an international guy, and especially if you're not um, really active on the ITF circuit and, you know, you're, you're not one of the top, top ITF guys, I think, I think it's really good for the student, the recruit to make the first move and reach out to the coaches um, and not and not um, simply assume that if a coach doesn't reach out to you, that he wouldn't be interested because we try to do our homework as best we can, but there's no way that we can know everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, a guy may, there's, everyone's got uh, their own set of circumstances. And sometimes we might miss on somebody that we might've otherwise recognized. So if you've got an interest in a college or a university, or you want to learn more about it, I definitely think it's um, don't be bashful about getting on the Internet, finding that coach's email or phone number and reaching out and and uh, sending him a little bit of background about you and your level and your interest um, and and then see where it goes from there. I do think um, what can be helpful is if especially coming from overseas, since um, the recruit might not be as aware of the various levels in college tennis because you've got anything from. University of Texas who's been we've been ranked in the top three the last uh you know several years to um mid you know mid-major schools division two division three there's there's everything there's all sorts of levels and I find that some of the um recruits aren't as educated about those levels so may not exactly know which schools are the appropriate level for them to reach out to um you know some schools may be a bit more of a reach but possible um and some of it depends on what kind of budget you have to pay and how much scholarship you need um but if you if you're not really well educated on the various levels i think it's great to in to ask for someone ask the help of someone who does know you know um and i know you're in that business so you could be a resource and there are other people in that business too um and that can that person can be really helpful in guiding the prospect to the schools that are appropriate for them to look at. Um, For sure. But uh, yeah, I I think that's probably the biggest advice I say is try to educate yourself on what kind of level of a school would be appropriate for me, what things are important to you that you can communicate to the coach. And then if you're not really sure about those levels to try to get some help from someone who does.
0: You obviously have a lot of top 100 ITF juniors that are in your program athletes that have won junior grand slams as we discussed earlier um so you know that they can play at a good level most of these kids that that approach you in terms of before you sign them do you do a background check on them do you go check out their their social media do you get your team to do that do you check in the
1: yeah the social media yeah, I do. It's not very it, – it, probably it's a, probably it's something that should be systematic and a part of what I do every time. I, I It hasn't been, but it's probably something I, I should be doing systematically. I do – there's probably not anybody that we've recruited that I haven't, you know, been on Facebook with or Instagram, but it's usually just a way of communicating at first. And I think if I saw something inappropriate, it, you know, I would probably – I would most likely see something if it was there, but I haven't really done that systematically. I do know that some coaches do that, but what I do, um, is once I establish that there's a mutual interest and we're getting close to, you know, potentially an offer, I definitely do my homework, you yeah. know, and for the U S kids, for me, it's pretty easy because I can see them in so many different environments and so many different tournaments. And I know some invariably, I know somebody who knows them, yeah. you know, um, and I ask around a lot. We can also use our guys. Um, some of our the younger guys on the team will know them and say, "No, no, I'll stay away from this guy." Or yeah. this this guy's good. He's a good good character. Um, for the international guys, I have to be a little more aggressive. So if if a prospect is from New Zealand, I probably have four people that I know well who are coaches or. Um, You know, we run recruiting agencies that I would call and ask about someone like yourself. But, yeah, that's definitely something that's important to me, because right now we're fortunate to have a really good culture on our team at Texas. But I know from experience that it's a lot harder to build that kind of culture than it is to to ruin it. You know, and so sometimes if you have one or two guys that aren't the right fit or don't share the same kind of passion for the sport that the coaches and the other players do or they may have um, some questionable behavior in their past that can really be disruptive to the team. So before we offer someone a spot on the team, I'm definitely going to do the best I can to ask as many different people I can about that person's character.
0: I guess like as much as tennis is an individual sport, it is a team sport in America in college tennis, and everything's about the team. I mean, they're giving you, as coaches said, they're giving you all this amazing things to succeed, the latest facilities, the latest trainers, the most advanced nutritionists, and they just want to make sure that their brand that they carry so proudly is withheld with respect. And, um, you know, you're doing this, you're doing the right things. And so, you know, if you are listening to this, keep that in mind that if you are playing at grade one ITFs and you are playing at the junior grand slams and you decide to act inappropriately or you decide to um, have bad behavior towards an opponent or anything like that, it may be seen.
1: Oh yeah. That's, there's no question. When I'm there, we definitely are watching the tennis And, um, you know, we're aware of rankings and results and that's obviously important, but it's definitely not everything. You know, we can see the character in the fight that and the passion for the game that people have on the court. And then when you're hanging out at the tournaments, you know, you know, you, you know, you see how they're practicing Sometimes you see how they're maybe how they're treating other players in the tournament or, you know, the wait staff, if there's a restaurant there Um, you know, you notice things like that. And, and uh, you know, we see little red flags sometimes if, if, if there's some things that are, you know, that catch our our eye that are indicative of someone that we might not like to have on the team, but mostly I've been pretty impressed in the last several years with um, the maturity that I see out on the circuit. And I just think that's getting better and better over time. And um, I think that's probably a result of good coaching and, and uh, you know, just the, the elevation of the game and the training and the support staff that all the players have, but yeah, it's definitely something that we pay attention to. Awesome.
0: Well, Coach Burke, it's been an absolute honor having you on our show. I really appreciate your time that you've given me and I cannot wait to get you a New Zealander. That's gonna be yeah. my, that's gonna be my goal to get you a New it's Zealander. It's time, yeah. I've had, I've had a few
1: in my career and I, it's time for another
0: absolutely yeah it'll be great to get you someone from either new zealand or australia and get them over there um you know we've had some great players go over there and do well in the college system like cam Norrie. and it'll be great to get another another kiwi over there and do well in your program for sure thank you so much and for those listening to this or watching this uh go check out university of texas men's tennis on instagram facebook Check them out on YouTube. There is a lot of content on YouTube. If you want to see uh, what it's like during a tennis match, definitely go check out YouTube. You can see that. Coach Burke, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And best of luck for the fall season.
1: You got it. Thanks, Almer. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you so much.